uh, or your smartphone device and, and listen to uh, the service Sunday morning. It was truly, truly uh, a powerful, powerful service. And then Sunday night for our membership uh, session with Pastor, I was our leadership, excuse me, our leadership session with Pastor Sunday night. We had 45 people that showed up for membership and I was our leadership. I was amazed. And I thought, dear me, if we could get all of these folks involved in a leadership role, serving on a serve team at Grace Church like this time next week, that'd be really awesome. Uh, But a great, great turnout, wonderful, wonderful spirit. And uh, I appreciate all of you that came, that that made the sacrifice to come. Uh, Some actually came in early or or worked real hard to get here from even out of town. And um, so uh, thank you so very much for that, and I'm I'm really, really excited. And now that we're pretty much over the big hump of our membership classes plus our leadership session, everybody needs to listen very carefully. Uh, I'm oftentimes amazed that the difference between what comes out of my mouth and goes into your ears is different. I'm often amazed by that. Um, I want to reiterate to everyone here tonight, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or offend anybody, but we've been saying these things uh, since Grace Steps began the first part of January. Everybody listen. Membership at Grace Church is not available to those who have not been baptized in Jesus' name and are uh, filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and do not pay your tithes. And uh, it's amazing. Folks have not done the above, and they just went right ahead and filled it out anyway. So when you show up to a business meeting, and uh, we have a role available and what have you, and we ask you to refrain from voting because you're not a member of Grace Church, this will be why. So I'm giving you the heads up now. So you may want to get all that taken care of. If you've not been baptized, we'll baptize you. If you need the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with the Holy Ghost. It's up to you. Uh, paying your tithes is up to you. And, uh, but I'm just I'm, I'm saying these are in our bylaws, and um, uh, we need to understand that. Uh, don't want any hurt feelings. I will go on to say tonight, listen very carefully, <clears throat> that a leadership role serving on a serve team is not available to those who are not members. We had folks here Sunday night that have not done the membership thing, and uh, you came to do the leadership thing. you got to do the membership thing first. So membership includes, I'll reiterate, membership includes being baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, paying your tithes, and signing our membership covenant. And uh, that needs to be done, and your membership covenant needs to be in the church office, not somewhere at your house, and you just say, I did it, but I forgot to bring it. It needs to be in the church office before we will honor your membership covenant. Everybody said amen. Am I speaking this clearly? If you don't understand, see me after church. But this is the way it's rolling uh, with membership. So leadership is not available to those who are not members. You could have come to three out of the four Grace Step sessions on the Wednesday nights that we ran them. If you've missed one, it's going to hold you back from being a member at Grace Church. You need to make it up. Don't tell us you made it up. Bring your student handout back to the church, filled out. I will look through it. I'll initial it. Give it to Sister Christy, and we will add you to our membership. Does everyone understand that? Does anybody not understand it? I don't want anybody's feelings to be hurt. Now, the beauty of this is you can now go online 
to our website or on your smartphone, as I just mentioned, and you can listen to that presentation and fill out the student hand, uh, fill in the blanks on the student handout as you go along. When you get that completed, you need to bring it back to church with you and turn it into the church office. Sister Christie will give it to me. I'll look it over, make sure you didn't cheat or try to do something quick. Just fill out the first page and assume we won't thumb through the rest of it. I look at every piece, every blank's got to be filled in, etc. Um, <clears throat> I've learned a long time ago when people say they do things, they don't really mean they did it. Now, I'm not saying they're lying, but I've just learned through the years. Uh, you can also do this on our church website as well. So you can make up Grace Steps online using your, you can go to our podcast, you can go to the website, whatever. So to be on our leadership or serve teams, we must have your membership covenant in the church office. You have to do all of the things that I just said. If you want to be in leadership or serve on one of our serve teams, we have to have your membership covenant. I'm repeating this over and over tonight intentionally. You have to have gone through the leadership document session with pastor as we did Sunday night, and you have to sign your leadership document. And it has to be in file in our church office. Not in your car, not at your office at work. We need it here. Um, so I don't know how else to be more clear than that. You can't be in leadership unless you're a member. I hope everybody understands that. And uh, this is the one drawback of this process we're going through. If there's a downside, it's because people misunderstand and whatever, and they go through this whole process and then think, they can do X, Y, and Z at Grace Church, and they can't. So I'm just letting you know uh, you need to do these things as they apply. And um, we'd love to have you go all the way at Grace Church. That's what we enjoy doing. We like to use people on serve teams. We like to develop your gifting. We'll help coach with your personality, et cetera. We'll do everything we can to make sure your relationship with God is at the height of its fulfillment. And I want everybody to understand that. But there's a little bit of a process we have to go through. And if everybody would cooperate with that and, and, and do what we've asked you to do, it would make my job and your life a whole lot easier if we do that. I know sooner or later, and look, and if everybody will understand, I've heard of too many church business meetings where people show up and say, well, I'm a member and I should be able to vote here. Well, no, you're not, and there's a reason why you're not. And uh, so we're trying to avoid that. We, we don't want that to happen to anybody. And everybody said amen. Does everybody understand? An amen if you understand. An amen if you don't. That is a 100% vote right there. We just had a practice church business meeting, and that's the way it should go every time. Y'all just rehearsed the perfect church business meeting. So there you go. Thank the Lord. Without any to do other to do tonight, I am so happy about tonight. I've been looking forward to it now for several weeks. Uh, tonight, Heart Sessions continues. Uh, I, I launched this last Wednesday night. Uh, we used David as an example. And, and the next several Wednesday nights, we're going to teach on our grace standard of attitude. And it's important we all have a good attitude. And all of this is a part of, of, of this whole leadership process and stuff that we do here. 
But our speaker tonight is very special. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. I have utmost respect for her and love her more than she knows. Give a good hand of appreciation and welcome as Casey comes to teach our Bible study tonight. all through that whole thing. I get it. I do. Uh, As Pastor said last week, um, Infuse is our development process for Grace Church Serve Team members. And our tagline for Infuse is to know, to grow, and to serve. And it exists to prepare Serve Team members so that they will know the expectations to join a Serve Team from a technical perspective and a leadership perspective and a heart or attitude perspective. So here at Grace, we want to serve with excellence, right? Because we believe that God deserves our absolute best. We value heart, community, excellence, and attitude. And it's important to note that infusing onto a serve team is going to require more than just technical ability. It's also going to require a positive heart or attitude. And that is what the goal is for all of this material that we've compiled that we've put into what we call these heart sessions. So when this material was being developed, I collaborated with Jason Cooper and Brian Tier um, because they are excellent communicators and that they know the heartbeat of Grace Church. And so we developed a six-part series, again, that Pastor launched last week that we call Heart Sessions. So if you join Infuse... You're going to learn the technical skills and processes for whatever team that you're on. But it's equally as important that we teach the heart of Grace Church. So tonight I want to present to you the second lesson for our infused process. But before I dive into this heart session, I want to share a little bit about the beginnings of my story as it relates to what I'll cover tonight. I know there's so many new faces and new members at Grace Church, which is exciting. And, um, but I wanted to share just a little bit about me, again, as it will relate to what we'll talk about tonight. So I started taking piano lessons because my parents made me, not because I wanted to, at eight years old. And I learned introductory material, how to read sheet music, all of that kind of uh, stuff. And um, those lessons lasted for a few years, and then not long after that, we moved from Youngstown, Ohio, down here, actually, to Baker, um, where our uh, Grace Church was when, before we moved here. And so when we moved down here, we reconnected with our family that lived here, primarily the Bunches, and they started attending what was then the First United Pentecostal Church of Baker. Thank God for smaller names. And they came to help us out musically, and they were such a huge blessing. Steve, as you see, played uh, the keyboard. Uh, Dave played the bass. And my uncle Dave, their father, played the guitar and sang. And my brother Marcus played the drums. And on occasion, Dave and Steve would play the sax and the trumpet, respectively, because they were both involved in the band at school. So at some point, Steve got the desire to play the electric guitar in church. Um, There was just one small problem. He needed to fill that spot for the keys before he moved on to another instrument. So who better 
to hand that responsibility off to than his very naive little 12-year-old cousin, Casey. Yes, Steve and I are related, for those of you who are new here tonight. So my mom asked Steve to teach me piano lessons, and he is actually the one who taught me how to play church music, primarily um, playing with chords and that sort of thing. And it was wonderful to be taught by someone who knew theory, but he also understood church culture, and um, he taught like a professional. So my weekly homework was to practice scales, practice scales. He harped on that all the time. Memorize them, learn to play by numbers, and also to avoid the doo-doo chords. That was actually written on my homework assignment. My mom asked me about that when she saw me playing and was like, doo-doo chords? I said, it's, it's, um, it's, it's just a Steve thing. Basically, he doesn't want me playing the chords in the root position because it sounds like doo-doo. So yes, he taught me lots of things. But over time, his plan worked. And at age 13, I played in church for the first time in a church service. And Steve was nice, and he rotated with me until about age 15, and then it was all mine, while he moved on to the electric guitar. Fast forward 20 years later, and here we are. Steve, can we just say, Tom, slow down? I can't believe that I can stand up here and say that I've done something for 20 years. That's a little sad. But oh, how both of us, we've talked about Infuse, and both of us have wished that we would have had an Infuse process way back then, but nonetheless, we worked through our own years of uh, figuring things out and carved out our own method of what it means to know, to grow, and to serve. But I'm thankful now that we have these processes in place for the next generation of people who are looking to discover their purpose and to make a difference. We want everybody at Grace Church, everybody who comes, to know what gifts God has given them so that we can go and make a difference in our world. We don't want people serving in ministries that don't line up with their talents and abilities. It's about a year or so ago, I was talking to some um, music leaders, and some per- a person in the group spoke up and was referencing a really sweet and dear elderly lady in her 70s that uh, attends their church, and she said that she has been involved in choir forever. And actually, music is not her gifting. And it made me really sad to think about that, um, that here she is in her sunset years and has served God the best that she can all her life, but has never served in a capacity to really fulfill her God-given gifts. So it made me really thankful for the infused process here at Grace because we want everybody to serve where you are gifted. And most, if not all of you, have gone through grace steps, and you've identified what kind of giftings that God has given to you. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about what we should do with those talents and those giftings. Notice the screen.
Raise your hand if you have ever seen that particular scene from The Little Mermaid. Anybody? It's okay. You can admit it. That is some really great music on there. But it's obvious that Scuttle, who is the seagull, had never taken the giftings test. He attempted to help his friend Ariel with a whole lot of heart, but he was lacking on the gifting side of things. In contrast, Sebastian, who's the little red crab on there, knew exactly how to orchestrate a team to create a beautiful song for Ariel and her Prince Charming on their date. You can breathe easy. I'm not going to build the lesson on the Little Mermaid. I just thought it would be a fun way to illustrate. But it's important to note that to serve effectively, you'll need to have both ability and gifting and a positive heart or attitude. So by this point, most of you have taken the giftings test, and we encourage people to note the top two to three giftings and pursue the corresponding serve team. God has given each of us talents and abilities. Why? So that we can use them to serve him and his kingdom. God entrusted us with those abilities. Think about that for a moment. He gave us abilities with trust that we would in turn... Use them for his kingdom. That's pretty incredible to me when I really think about that, that the God of all the universe knows my human imperfection that happens all the time, and yet he still gives me what is rightfully his and trusts me with it. It's a pretty incredible thing. Everybody here tonight should have received a gold talent. Show it to me if you got one. Everybody got their gold talent? If you didn't get one, thank you, you can put your hands down. If you didn't get one, please raise your hand. And we want to make sure that y'all get a gold talent. If I could get some help. I thought Sister Christy was in here. Um, thank you, Dallas. When he comes back in, y'all please raise your hands and we'll uh, make sure that everybody gets a golden talent. So I want you to hang on to this gold talent. As a reminder of this lesson tonight, if you would raise your hands again, Dallas is going to help me out and pass those out. I hope that you'll, you'll tie it together with what we're going to discuss here tonight. So let's dive into this second heart session on stewarding your talents. My scripture text for tonight is found in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 28. And it's a passage that probably most of you are familiar with. But before you form a conclusion, allow me to teach it from a different point of view. So it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same, and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged it in the earth, digged in the earth, and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. And I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. 
He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast is thine. And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sow not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received my own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto, uh, give it unto him which hath ten talents. So Jesus is talking about a man leaving for a journey in this parable. The man had servants that he, that he entrusted his goods and talents to. Matthew Henry notes that first and foremost, we understand this, the master is Jesus, and he is the absolute owner and proprietor over all people, over all things, and over his church. Secondly, the servants are we, the Christians, and we are his own servants. We are called, born in his house, bought by him, devoted to his praise, and employed in his work. As an aside, let me just mention, don't ever question who you are. You are a child of God. That may sound cliched, but sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of that. You are his son or his daughter, and you have been given talent, you have been given gifting, and you have been empowered by the Holy Ghost. And he anoints your efforts that are for his kingdom. And he has supplied you with everything that you need to be effective for him. Matthew Henry went on to say, Trust that has been given to these servants, their master gave them his goods, having appointed them to work. Because Jesus does not want his servants to be idle. He left them something to work on. So let's bring this back home. He left us something to work on until he comes back to get us. What we have received from Jesus has been given to us so that we can go about working for him. That is the exact reason why you have what it is that you have. Whatever talents and whatever giftings, that's why. Whatever Jesus has given to us to use for his kingdom, it still belongs to him. The property is still vested in him. And we are just the mere tenants upon his land and stewards of his manifold grace. Peter 4.10 says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The New Living Translation said, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So we should all be doing something. God does not want us to be idle. I want to share an excerpt from Jensen Franklin's book, The Fasting Edge. If you've never read anything by him, I highly encourage you to. He's an excellent author, especially with regards to fasting and, and those sorts of things. So everybody has their talent, right? Hang on to it while I share this. So a parable is a story with a lesson that is intended for its hearers to apply to their lives. And in Matthew 25, Jesus told a parable about a man who was leaving for a journey. The man had servants, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. 
The man who received one talent had ability. He may not have had the same ability as the other two, but he did have the ability to do something with the talent that he was given. But he didn't. He buried it instead. The other two presented their master with an increase when the master returned, but not this guy. He just dug up what he had been given completely unused and gave it back to the man. And his master responded, you wicked and lazy servant. You ought to have deposited my money with the banker. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. And Jesus compared this story to the kingdom of heaven. So God gives his children according to their ability. And we are to take what God has given us and maximize it, not bury it. The servant wasn't called wicked simply because he didn't produce what the five-talent guy did. He was never expected to do that. He was called wicked because he didn't take what he had and say, you know what, I might not be a five-talent guy, might not even be a ten-talent kind of guy, and I may not even be destined to have everything that those guys have, but you know what, I've got something. I've got the ability to do something to maximize what God has given to me. And if we want to really get radical in 2017, if we want to reach in 2017, we need to start digging up some talents and some giftings and some abilities that God has given to us and start multiplying it for his kingdom because that is what he expects us to do. Franklin went on to say, I'll admit it, I used to look at my one talent and get upset when I saw other people preach so well with their 10 talents. That's hard. But I learned that if I give God my one talent, he can multiply it for his purposes and put me where I need to be to bring him glory, end quote. But as I said before, that can be really difficult. So I want, I want you to understand my approach to this story. Because at times I feel like I'm a one-talent kind of guy, whereas person over here or over here might be a five-talent kind of guy. And that can intimidate me. It can frustrate me. It can make me feel really insecure. It can even make me want to shut down. It can make me not even want to try at all. You fill in the blank. We all have our insecurities or our vices about ourselves with regard to our talents and our giftings. I want to be really transparent with you tonight. We all know Tim LeBlanc, most of you do, the worship leader at POA. I am incredibly thankful for him and everything that he has contributed to our worship team. He's an incredible uh, person, but he is an incredible worship leader. Um, We have a lot of love and respect for Tim. But after Tim came the first time and worked with our worship team, he was here for an entire weekend. We put in a lot of long hours, and it was wonderful. But when he left, I just crashed. And it wasn't just the fall from all this building momentum of him coming. It wasn't that. It was me looking at him as a leader and feeling even more inadequate to lead our teams here at Grace. I thought he's definitely a five or ten talent kind of person, and I'm like a point one. And I really sank. So the following Monday, instead of really being excited, which I was, just feeling different things, the following Monday was just really rough after that weekend that we spent with him. It had been a really great and productive weekend for the team, but really what I wanted to do was just quit. 
But what I really needed to get a grip on is this, that Tim's five talents or ten talents and my one talent are not even ours, which means I can't even compare them because they all belong to God. It's really that simple. What I needed to do was just get over myself because none of what I have to begin with is mine. So what I've come to realize is that we will set ourselves up for failure when we start trying to own what is not even ours. It doesn't belong to us. Many of you have kids. If you sit there and give one of them $5 and give one of them $10 and they start bickering back and forth, well, I got this, I got that. Well, it's all mine. It's not even yours. I'm the one who provided that to you. So we can't start owning things that that aren't even ours. So why am I sharing this with you tonight? Because we all battle with insecurities or other vices, and they can be smothering to our ministry, and we really need to take the proper steps to silence those voices. I was overwhelmed to hear how many people were at the leadership training this past Sunday night. It was very exciting and, um, and very encouraging But when you go to take those next steps, sometimes you can start having all these, Jason, you called them mind monsters a while back, a study on that in next. And you can have all these things that start flooding through your head from insecurity to I'm not good enough or I don't want to to sing or to serve or to do hospitality or Sunday school with this person because they're the most amazing person at what they do and I just can't. And And then you start backing out of it and we need to learn how to silence those voices and remember that even though you may be teaching Sunday school with somebody who is phenomenal, and we have some phenomenal Sunday school teachers, all of those talents are not even theirs. And yours isn't yours either. It all belongs to God. So three days after that weekend with Tim, I was praying and feeling really sad and pathetic and, you know, having that whole pity party for myself as a singer, as a musician, as a, a leader, etc., and I have, I've always struggled to really embrace this calling because I never really felt like I was the right person to do it. From day one, I felt like I'm plan B because whoever plan A is out there is not in the, you know, in the place of wherever they need to be to be guided into this or, or whatever. And so I'll just fill in the gap until whoever plan A is rolls in and then they can take in and do what they need to do. That, that was always really my my perspective on leading our worship team. But as I was in prayer, God spoke to me, and and I'm not one of these people, you probably won't hear me say that a whole lot, um, and maybe I should, but I don't. Um, But God really spoke to me, and I, I knew, I just knew that it was him speaking. Number one, because it was very wise, and there's no way that I would have come up with that by myself. That's one good way to know if God's speaking to you right there. So he spoke to me, and I grabbed my journal. I like to write a good bit. And, um, and I began to write down everything that I felt like he was saying to me because I didn't want to forget a single word. And at first I thought the word was just for me, but then as the day progressed, I realized that it wasn't just for me, that it was for our team. So the first time we launched Infuse, all of our pre-existing team, went through this and I shared it with them and I want to share it with you tonight and I hope that it will impact you the same way that it impacted me and and really change your outlook if you struggle with some of those things because this is what I wrote if you ever feel good enough in and of yourself 
You are no longer walking in your purpose with me. You do have areas where you lack, and I fill them. And without me, you can do nothing. So keep moving forward and trust me to fill up all of those empty and lacking places. You'll be more effective when I fill those places than you ever could. And I hope that y'all receive that. That's not just for me. That, that's for everybody. So, in conclusion, what do we do? Not just me, but all of us together as a church. We're taking this journey together, right? We're reaching together. We're finding our purpose together. We want to make a difference together. I want to give you some next steps. This is how my brain has gotten programmed since next has been going on. We have next steps now with practically everything. If you don't, for step number one, I'm going to keep it very simple. Step number one, if you don't already have a pattern for fasting, start by just fasting one day a month. And whenever you fast, pray two specific things. Number one, God help me to embrace the talent and gifting that you have given to me. And secondly, help me to be a good steward of it. The second thing is to read your Bible every day. Get into his word, whether it's a chapter or a handful of verses. We cannot live spiritually without the word. I'll never forget one weekend when Brother Holland was here. Uh, Chris and I actually work for Brother Holland. We do all of his media and website updates and social media and all that kind of stuff. So we spend a lot of time with them whenever the, uh, they come down. And one weekend when he was here, we were eating at my parents' house after church and talking about incredible service we had. And I was just joking around when I said to him, you know, I wish I would have gotten a really specific word like some other people did tonight. And it was just a joke. And he spun around that quick like he can do and looked me in the eye and he said, girl, he already gave you a word. There are 66 books with words in them that were written for you to read every day. <laughs> Just joking, Brother Holland. Goodness. <laughs> Kidding. So don't make that mistake. If you didn't get a very audible, ver whatever, specific word in one of those services, don't you go up to him and say, I wish I would have got one, because he'll tell you. Get in that book. There are 66 books full of words that are for you. So third, the third step to this that I feel like is probably the most important step is when you mess up and you miss your fast day, your prayer time, your Bible reading, get up and try again. You got to get up and you got to do it again. Invariably, when you're fasting, your boss is going to bring a dozen donuts to work. And you're prob you, you may cave. I've caved, I'll be honest. You know, when you want to go pray, your phone's going to ring. Or you're going to get a social media update or you're just going to look at your phone to see what time it is and 30 minutes later you'll get off of Instagram or Twitter or whatever you know let's just be honest and that can be really defeating feeling I know for me it is like why do I even try I'm like the least spiritual person walking the face of this earth right now you know I've set out to pray and somehow I ended up doing laundry how did I get here get up and try again God knows our weaknesses he does Get up and try again. You have got to know, tell yourself this. You have got a church, an entire body of people who are taking this journey with you. And you have a community 
that needs you to steward that talent so that they can know Jesus. That, that is why we're doing all of this after all. And you have a God who is for you, who is helping you every single step of the way, and he is going to complete the good work that he started in you. You've got to get up and you've got to try again, even if you mess up. So y'all stand with me. I'm almost done. I recently read a devotional that tied in so beautifully with this topic. It was several weeks ago, and I had to, in, had to include it and, and wanted to put it at the conclusion to share with you tonight. It was called Instruments in the Hands of God. And it said, One of several characteristics of someone who has lost their spiritual edge is that they lose their usefulness as an instrument in the hands of God. Revelation 14, verses 14 through 16 tells us, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one, like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. The one sitting on the cloud with a crown on his head is Jesus. And the harvest on the earth is the salvation of lost humanity, of men and women who don't yet have a relationship with God. Then what is the sharp sickle? It is the church. It is you, and it is me. And God is going to reap a harvest of lost humanity... If he's going to do it, it's going to be through his people. You and I are to be a sharp sickle in God's hand in his great plan for mankind's redemption. That means that the housewife, the doctor, the businessman, the student, the truck driver, every one of us, we are to be setting our hand to whatever practical work we have been gifted to do to see people come to repentance to see them baptized in Jesus' name, to see them filled with the Holy Ghost, and to see them be discipled. So let us determine here tonight to be an effective instrument, a sharp sickle in the hands of God. Amen? Are you all thankful for a God who uses us, who trusts us? Let's give him some praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, Mixed emotions, I almost regret to say in hearing her presentation that and so many of her thoughts and feelings that she portrayed here tonight uh, she is truly her father's child I have I have noticed when we uh, do the uh, church gifting assessment when people come and do the the, the giftings uh, that God has given them that she so aptly presented here tonight I think the highest score you can score on that and, and to determine what your gifting is is a 16. There's once in a while we'll get one turned in that all 26 of those answers are 16s, and I'm like, eh, probably not. But that being said, I have noticed overwhelmingly across the board when people do gifting assessment here at Grace Church, they always score themselves very, very low. And it's indicative of a mindset, and I don't know if it's our, our country's, the United States culture. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if it's our political culture, our government. I don't know if it's our upbringing. 
I hope it's not our church environment. But I do want to say this. I grew up in a church environment, and all of you know what that is. But I used to sing in the youth choir and the adult choir, and I sang in the quartet, I sung in the trio, played an instrument, all that kind of stuff. And we were always told, if God can use anybody, he can use you. If God can use anybody, he can use you. We heard that, heard that, heard that. But then there was another presentation that always had us in the altar repenting that left you with the impression. It, it wasn't necessarily said, but you just walked away. The takeaway that I got from it through the years is I want to be used, I want to be used, I want to be used, but I'm never good enough. I just don't have the qualifications. I came face-to-face -face with this reality when we pastored in Youngstown a number of years ago. There was a young man in our church that I had a lot of confidence in. He was a, a wonderful worship leader. He was talented. His dad owned and operated a, a music store. They sold instruments. They taught people different various lessons, drums, uh, horns, piano, uh, Casey, and Marcus took piano lessons that uh, they facilitated at that store. And uh, But this one young man, one of those sons, attended Young, Youngstown State and graduated. And uh, he, again, was a, an awesome worship leader. Uh, he married a girl that was outside of our faith against everything that he was asked to do and recommended. He did it anyway. Uh, somehow we were able to win her to the Lord pretty much on his behalf. And I'll never forget, he, he got it in his head that he wanted to be on the trustee board at our church. My answer to that was, you're, to me, you're not old enough and you don't have enough experience yet to serve in that role. He flipped that around, and I'll never forget, I'll never forget his statements. He said, your problem is that you're pretty much a southern uneducated man and you're intimidated by me because I have an education. I looked him in the eye and I said, I've gone as far as I can with this conversation. Don't let the door hit you in the backside when you leave. You will never intimidate me again. No one will. With anything you are or how much you know. I came to realize that night, Sheila Landry, I came to realize that night, Casey, that God had given me one talent. That was one call to the ministry. And I have never been intimidated by anybody because of that. I'm not on an ego trip, none of that. I know what God has given me, and you're right, it's not mine. It's not me, it's him. And I wish we could all come to that reality. There's people here tonight, the devil or yourself, and I'm not even going to blame the devil. In most cases, it's been you. You'll go through a bad marital situation, or you'll have kids, it turns out, haywire, or your spouse goes haywire, whatever, and you will take that one talent that God has given you, and you will determine, I'm never good enough to be used in a church setting. You can work and excel in a job and in a career and retire but when it comes to the one gift that God gave you to use for his kingdom, you bury it because you feel, because of who you are, your reputation, your past, your domestic situation, your family, whatever you want to put in that blank, you can't be used. 
I'm here to tell everybody in this building tonight and everybody that attends Grace Church for any length of time knows that may apply other places, but it doesn't apply here. We want to help everybody here tonight. Dig up that talent, lay it in front of the feet of God and say, God, whatever you want to do with my life, here I am, use me. And we're going to help you do that. Amen. Thank the Lord. I know how it feels to grow up in an environment where you're just kind of dumb. And I don't know if I'll say this publicly or not, but I mean a very important person in my life relating to church, probably the most important person in my life. This just got back to me a year or so ago. Tell someone else, don't worry about promoting me up to anything. He will never amount to anything. That happened probably some 40 years ago. I would never amount to anything, he said. But God helped me. And I dug up my talent. And here we are. And you can do the same thing in Jesus' name. Casey, you did a great job. Y'all give her some appreciation tonight. Thank the Lord. And I'm going to keep this in my office. I don't know where she got it. And, uh, but I'm going to keep it in my office as just a reminder that God gave me a gift. And I'm going to use it every single day for his kingdom. And I hope you'll do the same. Thank the Lord. God bless you tonight. What time is it? About 20 after 8? Is that 10 minutes early? Everybody say 10 minutes early. You owe me. Thank the Lord. God bless you. Shake hands with one another. Be friendly. Smile and enjoy your fellowship after church. We'll see you Sunday.